Many students may start graduate school with a vague idea about areas they would like to study, or perhaps a few general research questions. Join us, the Clemson University Informed Student Chapter, each Tuesday and Friday, as our host Muwan Sidik interviews different operations research faculty across campus to talk about research in graduate school. Today I'll be speaking to Dr. Emily Tucker, a recent graduate from the University of Michigan. She received her bachelor in industrial engineering from NC State University. We also have a master from the University of Michigan in industrial engineering and operations research. She also has some、um, industry experience and several. Research publications, and she won several awards. That it would take a while to go through all of them.、Um, <laughs> I should also probably apologize for the、uh, quality of the audio here. We're doing this interview remotely, and the voice of Dr. Tucker is certainly leaves something to be desired. But I hope we can hear the clarity of her、um, ideas nonetheless. So, without further ado, I bring to you Dr. Emily Tucker. Thank、oh, you so much for having me, and thank you for. Invitation. It's、um, yeah, so great to speak with you, and、um, hopefully hear from some listeners too at some point.、Um, really delighted to be able to share. Yeah, thank you for coming. So I've already sort of briefly introduced you, but maybe if I missed anything, maybe you can recap on that. Yeah, I'd be happy to. That was a, a great introduction. I think you definitely hit all the high points.、Yeah. Um, graduated from Michigan just a few months ago, actually. Um, where I spent the past five years working on my PhD,、um, I'm really excited about optimization under uncertainty and real-world problems, and、um, how we can use research to make the world a better place.、Um, so I'm sure we'll we'll talk about that some throughout our conversation today.、Um, on a personal note, I'm I'm from Maryland,、uh, so from the East Coast. Really delighted to be here in Clemson.、Uh, went to NC State, which is about five hours or so from here. So it feels like After coming from the Midwest, which I really love, it kind of feels like coming back home, coming back to the East Coast, and getting to spend time here.、Uh, when I'm not、uh, working on research and things like that, I love spending time outside. I go、um, camping a decent amount. I love to go hiking, and、um, I have a little sailboat that I like taking out. So it's it's been fun. Awesome. So let's start. Maybe talking about research because that's the <laughs> topic of the、yep. podcast. And before that, maybe you can just briefly tell us how your journey in OR began, and and that will be、mm-hmm. sort of a transition to research in OR. Oh, that sounds great.、Um, well, it starts off with a little bit of a funny story. I、um, was a freshman in college, came in as a mechanical engineering major, thought I wanted to. I knew I loved math and science, and. Um, but I didn't know exactly where to go with that,、um, and then I made the mistake of throwing a pumpkin off of my dorm room. <laughs>、uh, we, it was around Halloween, you know. It's what you do as a freshman in college.、Uh, would not recommend that for the freshman listening. But in my case, it turned out to be a not terrible idea. I did get in a ton, of- but、um, as part of that, I. Had a scholarship to NC State and had to go talk to the program director of the scholarship、uh, about consequences and things. And over the course of that conversation, 
we were talking about my career and my career path. And I told her I wasn't really happy in mechanical engineering. And um, we started talking about what I was interested in. And I said things like efficiency and uh, making things better. And she said, mm. have you heard of industrial engineering? And I said, no. <laughs> but um, long story short, I um, very quickly transferred into the IE department, really found my home professionally. Um, over the course of undergrad, got to go to um, an IISE conference. I think it was down in Orlando that year and got really inspired by the work that you can do um, in operations research. So I saw some presentations about last mile delivery in rural areas and um, really got excited that you can use math to make the world better. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I worked for a couple years after undergrad at RTI International, a big research institute, did a lot of work with the CDC on HIV um, preparation and planning. Uh, it was a big compartmental model of how HIV moves through the U.S. population. And because of that, um, I love the work, and so it was very hard to leave, mm. but um, over the course of that, I realized that that's what I wanted to do long-term. Uh, I was working as a programmer analyst, um, very much an entry-level position, which I was given a lot of autonomy, which was awesome, but I wanted to be able to lead projects like that long-term. Um, so I decided to go get my PhD and uh, learn how to be a strong, independent researcher who could write grants and supervise others. Um, and then over the course of time there, I just really loved working with students, got to work with a lot of undergrads, um, got to teach a class and decided that being a professor was really a wonderful combination of research and developing the next generation. Um, so in that sort of getting excited about um, stochastics and optimization and things like that, um, it's really a nice combination getting to do math and also getting to work in the real world. That's awesome. So I know you touched slightly upon this, which is um, your research area that focuses on stochastic optimization and, and the application area is healthcare policy, which we're going to get into yep. a little bit. But before that, maybe we can tell us how you find that things that resonated the most with you. And, and just for someone who is starting doing research and not knowing where to start or what to do, what would your um, advice be for that? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's a good question because I think it's, I mean, when you're coming into grad school, you don't know what you don't know. It's sort of this whole new world of things. And I'd recommend folks coming in, um, particularly the first year, think very broadly. Um, if they have general interest, um, think broadly within that. So I knew I wanted to work in healthcare. Um, and I came in, my advisor, um, uh, we jointly agreed to work on a particular project, but there were other folks within the research group doing other type of work. Um, Casey Moss is now up at Northeastern, um, and she um, really mentored me that first year, and we got to work on a couple other projects together. Um, and so it, your particular situation will vary depending on your research group and the other people, but if you're able to work on a couple different projects, or even under some more senior students. I think that's a, a great way to learn about what the research project really process really looks like. Um, and the second piece of advice I'd say is don't worry too much. Uh, don't feel too much pressure to feel like you have to get going on your dissertation work right away. Um, I came in expecting to do a particular project 
And then February of that year, sort of the project collapsed. Our collaborator went MIA. Um, there were just some hiccups when it comes to the methodology. And over the course of that time, um, decided to totally switch directions and work on drug shortages and in pharmaceuticals. Um, and so I would say, um, yeah, everyone has a different path to their dissertation, to research, to their thesis. Um, and so don't compare yourself to others, but really um, if you're able to explore different areas, things like that. Um, yeah. And then I'll add on uh, one more thing. If you're trying to come up with research ideas to read the popular press, um, so newspaper articles, NPR, The Atlantic, things like that, that are talking about real world problems. And um, I think that can really help get you thinking about what um, the public really needs, um, things like that. It can be hard if you're just sitting in your office or at your desk um, trying to brainstorm, but really uh, digging into what some of these problems are that can help sort of get you thinking about what is currently a problem in our world. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think from a personal perspective, I realized that I, if I were to do this for four or five years or however long I'm going to be doing it, at least as far as the PhD is concerned, I wanted to make sure that I'm doing something that I have fun actually doing it because that's the mm -hmm. only thing that's going to sustain sort of my motivation throughout the thing. And I think for you, uh, that would be the case uh, when it comes to healthcare policies. So mm -hmm. maybe that would be a, a nice transition to, to the next things that I want to sort of talk about, which is your um, specific research interest, which is, uh, mm -hmm. as you just mentioned, focuses on healthcare policy. So let's, before we get into healthcare policy, because I think there's a preface here that we need to do, which is stochastic optimization. So you can assume that I'm, I don't know anything about stochastic optimization, and then you can tell us how that applies to healthcare policies. Absolutely. Um, so uh, stochastics, if you're not familiar, is basically uncertainty. Um, and so I think of um, stochastic optimization as um, really making the best decisions with the information um, you are, oh, are aware of. Uh, essentially making decisions under uncertainty is probably a really short, concise way to say that. Um, I think particularly in healthcare that really prevalent because there is so much uncertainty, um, but it can be applied in a whole lot of different areas. Um, I know there are a lot of folks working in energy and um, railroads and really across the board. Um, and so it's a really, it's a, a set of several different types of methodologies that can really help you depending on your particular situation, um, make decisions under uncertainty. Um, so there's different levels of decisions within healthcare and also other industries more broadly. Um, I tend to do a lot of work on the strategic side. So you're making decisions way ahead of time. Um, so my drug shortage work, some of that is you're trying to figure out what your supply chain is going to look like far in advance of um, the full utilization of it. So you're making your contracts, you're making your decisions beginning of year one, ideally you're still using that same supply chain two or three years down the line, but there's a whole lot that can happen in those two or three years that affects your ability to um, be able to use the supply chain. Um, so for example, in some of my research, it's um, looking at how disruptions can impact uh, the drug supply. 
And so a disruption might be um, a hurricane um, that shuts down some manufacturing manufacturing plants. It might be quality issues at a supplier that prevents the supplier from being able to send those raw materials to the manufacturing plant itself. But uh, the company and the public want to be able to have the finished form of the drug. Essentially, we need medications to sustain our healthcare system, but we're making these decisions way far in advance on well, what suppliers should we use? Where should we set up our manufacturing plants and things like that? Um, and so how optimization under uncertainty comes into play is how do you make those initial decisions when you don't know what's going to happen? You don't know two years down the line if a hurricane's going to come in. Um, you don't know if a pandemic is going to shut down your factories in China. Um, and so in those initial decisions, you have to take into account a whole lot of different scenarios of things that could occur. Um, and that becomes a really large scale optimization problem and figuring out how to model that appropriately is a challenge, um, but, a, but a fun one, I think. Um, and so that's what a lot of my work is, is figuring out the best way to represent a real world problem. Um, so that particular project being, how do you design your supply chain given we have a whole host of things that could happen. Um, in order to be able to solve it effectively and use these really complex um, stochastic programming algorithms and things. Um, so there's, um, yeah, so there's a whole host of things you can do uh, in the long term. So I've worked a lot in the U.S. when it comes to these policy decisions. In the long term, I'm looking to bring on some collaborators internationally, dealing with international uh, trade issues and pricing issues and things like that. Um, yeah, and so really expanding uh, potentially into other products rather than just medications. Um, and so that's on the strategic level going perhaps down a level, uh, maybe into these operational or tactical decisions. Once a disruption happens, how do you respond? And so a lot of hospitals and healthcare centers are really dealing with this now because of the COVID-19 pandemic. There has been this major disruption and they need to figure out how to effectively use their current products, whether that's medications or resources, um, effectively. And so I think that is a whole other area um, of optimization under uncertainty that I'd, I'd like to get into as well, kind of in this next stage. That was very fun. I'm, I'm definitely very interested um, to sort of learn more about it. But for the interest of time, I just want to maybe have a um, one maybe last question, which is as, as far as future students that um, who are starting research in general and who are mm -hmm. going to be, let's say, working with you, um, what are sort of the technical and non-technical skills that you think that they should have and you encourage them mm -hmm. to have? Um, so we can maybe um, wrap up with this question. Yeah, I think that's a great question. Um, I'd say coming in, it's helpful to have um, the ability to code um, and the specific language matters less than sort of this comfort with coding, being able to express your ideas um, in a programming language, a model and algorithms and things like that. And then um, other like really once you know one, uh, the others can come pretty uh, easily. Um, so I'd say the ability to code and comfort working with data and things like that. Um, is probably the biggest technical thing. 
um, particularly as a new grad student, you'll be taking a whole host of um, classes to improve your technical skills. And so um, some degree of mathematical maturity and then with the expectation that that will grow over the time and I'll work with um, the students to continue to enhance that. I don't expect a new student to know advanced stochastic programming algorithms. I expect them to be interested and have the ability to learn them, um, but we'll work on that together. I'd say the, the, the second sort of the non-technical skill, um, and this is something that actually a pharmacy collaborator taught me that I think is so important, the ability to step back and think about what is the point? Why am I doing this? Because I think it's so easy to get down rabbit holes of mathematics and they're fun and <laughs> time doing that. It's important to get into the nitty gritty, but always being able to step back and think, why do I care? Um, if we're able to be successful in implementing this model or um, if we can get the algorithm to run appropriately, will that actually be a success? Because I think it's so easy in the course of a really long-term research project, if you're working on the same thing for a few years, to lose track of that. And you want to make sure that you're converging to <laughs> success rather than converging to an answer or an algorithm or a model that really doesn't impact the real world at all. And so I think that's a helpful non-technical skill that students can really um, develop over the course of their time in grad school. Um, but really this ability to step back and think, what is the point? <laughs> Am I actually, if I'm successful, will that actually matter? Um, and part of the job of an advisor is helping you think through that. Um, but I encourage that, I encourage students to develop that for themselves too. That's awesome. Thank you for doing this and, and giving us some of your precious time. I know you are probably extremely busy with the new semester and you start and everything just being online. It's, it seems like the, bus the busiest time ever, but I will make sure to sort of put a link to your website. And I know that you're active on Twitter. Um, your handle is Emily L. Tucker um, for people who want to follow you and keep up with you. Um, so um, yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for doing this. Thank you so much for having me. It, it is absolutely my pleasure. <laughs>